So yesterday we left off the story of Sayyidina Adam up to the point when Allah Taala asked the angels to make sajda to Sayyidina Adam So this whole incident of the creation of Sayyidina Adam and Allah Taala's discussion with the angels. If you remember, we talked about this. So this is going back to Surah Baqarah, uh, verse numbers, verse numbers thirty and onward, that the angels they saw this aspect in a human being uh, to spread fasad and to spill blood, and they told Allah Taala that, "Do you really want to send a creation like that on Earth as your Khalifa, as your Vice Regent, as your representative?" When we are the ones who do your tasbih and we glorify you and we praise you and etc. Right? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Nabi Adam salam, the names and we talked about that and then he mentioned the names to uh, the angels. Alright then when all of this was done so this now takes us up to verse number 33 then verse number 34 is this ayah of sajda. It's on ayah of sajda. It's the ayah referring to the prostration of the Angels to Adam alayhi salam. With kulna lil malaikatis judu li Adam fasajudu illa iblis. And when we told Allah Ta'ala says, and when I, Allah Ta'ala, in my majesty and my might and all of my attributes commanded all of the angels and all of those who were present in the assembly of the angels as well, including a jinn by the name of Iblis, that they should all do sajda to Nabi Adam alayhi salam. So they all did so except for Iblis. Abba was takbara. He refused and he adopted the path of arrogance. Wakana min al-kafirin and thus he immediately became amongst those who deny and disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now here, it doesn't disbelieve, and, and, and some of you have heard me before, I've made this point before, that Iblis is not an atheist. Iblis doesn't disbelieve in the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iblis has yaqeen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists. Iblis has seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iblis has, in, in some sense, Iblis has heard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iblis has absolute yaqeen in the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, even Satan is not an atheist. Alright? But, he chose to disobey. And remember I told you that the, the the most intense Quranic meaning of the word kafir is the person who knows the truth but chooses to deny and disbelieve in it anyway. And in some sense, some of the ulama believe that this was the first, uh, you know, Iblis is the first unbeliever and committed the first act of disbelief. Again, disbelief being denying that which you know to be true. Alright? Now, uh, Many times people ask this question that okay, why did Allah ask the angels to do sajda to Nabi Adam salam? So the ulama have replied to this that the sajda to Nabi Adam salam was not a sajda of ibadah because Adam salam was never a ma'bud. Allah has always, since past eternity and present and future eternity, been the only one and only ma'bud, the only being worthy of worship of ibadah, of a sajda that is done as an act of worship. So that we know for sure. So then when you know something absolutely for sure due to other verses of Quran, and then this one verse of Quran will have to be understood in light of that which you know for sure. 
And so then this one verse will be understood in what sense? This one verse will be understood to mean that they did some type of prostration out of ta'zim or ikram, out of veneration and respect to Nabi Adam alayhi salam. All right, but it was not an act of worship. And no doubt the angels are actually incapable uh, of worshipping any being except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But nonetheless, when we talk about Nabi Adam salam and his humanity, so Nabi Adam salam was aware of this. So he was aware that there's this species, this creation, who are angels, who all they do is they praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he became aware that Allah ta'ala has taught me a knowledge that they don't know. Then he became aware that Allah is presenting me and wants me to show and demonstrate that I know knowledge that they don't know. And he does so. And then he becomes aware that Allah Ta'ala asks all of the angels to express their veneration and respect for him. Allahu Akbar Kamila. Then if you continue now on the story of Nabi Adam alayhi salam, so in verse 35, and, and we did this, I, mean, I skipped this last night because I wanted to do it as part of the series. So Allah Ta'ala addresses Adam and says, Oh Adam, you should now reside, you and your spouse, in Jannah. Right? And this is a very important thing. I also want to stop here because I had mentioned that Nabi Adam is the beginning of humanity. He's the origin of humanity. Right? So it means that to be human is to have a spouse. And to be human is to have a spouse of the opposite gender. Alright? And any other concept is inhumane. Now people on earth may not understand this so much anymore, but this is an absolute reality. And it's only the community of believers left on earth who can explain gently, kindly, with love and wisdom the reality of what it means to be a human being. And to be a human being is to have a spouse and to have a spouse of the other gender. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that every Nabi, that one of the sunnahs that every Nabi did was that they had nikah. And the ulama also answered this question that Nabi Isa salam, he did not have nikah when he, in his first phase of life on earth, but when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send him back, he will then make a nikah and therefore he will fulfill the sunnah of all of the anbiya. So the next thing, uh, going back to Adam Laysam's life, is that Allah Ta'ala blesses him with a companion and asks him now to live in Jannah and to eat in abundance from all of the bounties and blessings of Jannah and just tells him one thing. Tells both of them, Adam Laysam and Hawa, one thing. And don't go near this tree. Right? فَتَكُونَ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ if you do, you will be of those who have transgressed. Because Allah Ta'ala set a limit. And if you go, you will cross the limit. And you will be amongst those who have transgressed. So the question arises then that why did Adam salam go? So Allah Ta'ala answers that in the next verse. So the next verse Allah Ta'ala explains that shaitan caused Adam salam and Hawa Radhanta to slip. To make an error. Right? And to transgress and to approach the tree. Now when they tried to approach the tree, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed, That all of you should descend now to earth, in Adam Islam and Hawa and Iblis, and some of you will end up having enmity towards others. 
All right. Now, the ulama have mentioned that why is it that Nabi Adam approached the tree? So they say that the tree was a tree which Adam salam felt was the tree of permanent and eternal dwelling in Jannah. And because he spent so much time in Jannah, and he wanted to be near and remain close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so shaitan whispered in him that this is what the tree is, and it's okay, and you should approach the tree, and you should try to eat from its fruit, so that you will end up in Jannah forever. And because of the sincere desire on the behalf of Nabi Adam Islam to want to live and be in Jannah forever, he went towards the tree. Right? Now, Imam Razi Khair, different Mufassirun, Imam Razi, Imam Al Qurtubi uh, talk a lot about this. Uh, and what they do is they try to bring all of the verses about Jannah and try to understand all of the attributes of Jannah at the time when Nabi Adam salam and Umm Nas Sayyidah Hawar were in Jannah. Now one of the ulama has also mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa deliberately made this mechanism because Allah subhanahu had already has already stated that his original intention is to send Nabi Adam salam to earth. But it does not befit the karam and the generous grace of Allah subhanahu wa to remove Adam from Jannah after having told him that him and his wife should reside there. So there had to be a sabab, there had to be some mechanism, some cause, some reason why Adam would be removed from Jannah. And so all of this happened by the will and decree of Allah subhanahu wa to create that mechanism and that cause for uh, Adam to fulfill his destiny, which was to be not just the first human being, but the first prophet, the first nabi of insan, of which humanity, of humanity on earth. But Nabi Adam salam, may understand all of this, he may know all of this, but still he makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that dua is in Surah Al-Araf. Let me just do a little bit more here and then we'll turn to that dua. And Allah Ta'ala refers to this in verse 37 of Surah Al-Baqarah. فَتَلَقَّ آدَمُ Actually, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala saw these feelings in Adam salam of his humility and his acknowledgement of his humanity and that he made an error and that he wanted to turn to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala and make up with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala but he didn't know how. So Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala himself taught Adam salam it literally means an Adam salam received from his Rabb kalimat, some sentences. And that's the dua that we're going to look at. Then he makes the dua, Fataba alayhi, then Allah subhanahu turned into him, relenting upon him with his mercy and pardoning him. Innahu huwa tawab rahim Indeed, he, he, Allah subhanahu is a tawab, is the being who relents and accepts repentance. Ar-Rahim is the one who is all-merciful. So now this dua, we have to move now to Surah Al-A'raf. Surah Al-A'raf is a second passage placed in Quran where Allah Subhanahu wa talks about the story of Nabi Adam salam. So this is Surah Al-A'raf uh, verses number 19 onward. So in verse 19, 
onward, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, from 19 to 22, it's mostly a repetition of the story that we've done up to now, with a little bit of extra detail. And now in verse number 23 is the dua. Qala and both Nabi Adam salam and Sayyidah Hawa radiyatana made this dua, Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin. They said, O oh, our Rabb, zalamna anfusana. So remember now, in Surah Baqarah, Allah Ta'ala said that if you go and approach this tree, you will be from the zalimin. You will have transgressed. So they used the same words. Allah Ta'ala taught them the sentence, the same words, that we transgressed and we wronged Anfusana, our own selves. So this other, you can't wrong Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this sense. We wronged our own selves. We only hurt and harmed our own selves. And you were in lam taghfir lana. And Allah ta'ala, if you, you don't forgive us, and if you don't send your mercy on us, then surely we will be amongst those who are lost, who are deprived, who are bereft. Right? And this is the feeling that a believer should have when they sin. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you don't forgive me and you don't send your mercy on me, it's not just that, okay, fine, I'll have this sin on my book of deeds. Okay, fine, I will have missed the reward of praying Fajr, I missed it. No, I will be completely lost. I will be from the Khasirin. I will be completely bereft. I will become worthless. I will become empty. I will become as if I'm non-existent. This is the type of feeling a person should have. As opposed to, well, okay, I made that one sin, but look, I did so many other good deeds. So on balance, I'm still okay. No, no. The feeling about one sin. Now, for the, in the case of Nabi Adam, it's not even a sin. It's what we call a khata. It's an error. It was a slip. But when and maybe me and you also can make errors, but this is a dua also to be when we make an outright sin. So the notion is that any sin, every sin, a single sin, a single slip, a single error, if we transgress against the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is such that how will we feel about that? That we are khasirin. That we are in complete loss. And it's with that deep desire that we should want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us. So this was the humility of Nabi Adam alayhi salam. He didn't say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, I just went near the tree because I wanted to be, uh, you know, in Jannah forever. I wanted to be near you forever. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it wasn't me. This being, this creature, Iblis, who, remember, he didn't do sajda to me. And he came to me and he told me and, and I got confused and he tricked me. No, nothing. Did not present any justification. Did not present any excuse. Did not present any reasoning did not offer any of his other virtues and good deeds as a compensation. No, this one thing is enough for me to feel that I'm in a state of loss. Allahu Akbar Kabira. And this is the response to the frailty of a human being. So we are frail. Khulak al-insanu dha'ifa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran that we indeed, humanity has been created weak, dha'if. We will slip. We will err. We may, all of us other than Anbiya will even do outright sin. The question is that how do we view that sin? Are we humbled by that? So another reason why I'm linking humility to humanity, some people sin 
and they don't feel any shame. Some people sin and they don't turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make dua. Because outwardly, apparently, they don't see themselves as khasirin. What does it mean? They do a sin and everything's continuing fine in their life. They do a sin, they still have their job, they still have their money, they still have their fame, they still have their health. So outwardly, apparently, they don't perceive themselves to be from the khasirin. So Nabi Adam was teaching us and Allah Ta'ala taught him this dua. But like I said, I was taking that reading that he had the feeling in his heart. It's not that Allah Ta'ala had to teach him this feeling. He had the feeling. He didn't know how to express it. So Allah Ta'ala taught him the words to express the feeling. And that's the exact niyyah in which you and me, we try to learn the du'as of the Anbiya Because we should have these same feelings. But we need the best words to express those feelings. Or maybe we don't have the feelings. So we have to learn from their du'as and their words what are the feelings that we're supposed to feel. And then feel, use their words to inculcate the feelings in our heart. It can happen both ways, right? It can happen both ways. So this is why it may not be enough for some of us to just recite this du'a once. We should recite it and keep reciting it until the feelings come in our heart. And when the feelings of the wordings enter our heart, then all we would have to do is recite it once with feeling. But it may take multiple recitation, multiple translation, multiple commentaries, multiple reflections to get the feeling. Once you have the feeling, it's enough to utter the du'a once. And really this was by the way when different mashayikh taught people to make dhikr multiple times. This was the purpose. It wasn't just to create litany or weird, just repeat and repeat mindlessly a sentence or a phrase. No, the notion was that I am not, I'm weak, I'm not strong enough, I don't have that closeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my level of dhikr is not yet, that if I recite these sentences, I feel it instantly. So I have to repeat the sentence. Why? So that every time I repeat it, I ponder on its meaning. I dive deeper into its meaning until the meaning becomes a feeling that is coming from my own heart. So I will repeat the wording to get the meaning. I will keep repeating the wording to go deeper in the meaning so that the wording and the meaning ultimately lead to the feeling. And once the feeling happens in my heart, I just have to say the sentence once. So for Nabi Adam as I told you, he already had the feeling. And Allah taught him kalimat. So kalimat means wording, sentences. Allah didn't say that I taught him the feeling. So he had to, for him it was the reverse. He had the feeling, Allah taught him the wording, and he expressed the meanings of those words. He expressed his feelings through the meanings of those words. So this is why dhikr is repeated. It's not repeated because the wording itself has value to be repeated. It's repeated, although yes, there may be, obviously it's ajr and thawab to repeat any ayat of Qur'an. But the real reason it's repeated is to get at the feeling. And this is a feeling that many unfortunately people lack or they don't even want because they're deluded by their success or they're deluded by the fact that uh, you know everything is going fine in their life. And this requires humility. It requires humility to overlook your good points when making istighfar and tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It requires humility to focus on the error or the sin so much that you're oblivious to any virtues you may have, not entirely oblivious, but at that moment of dua, making istighfar 
turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the dua of Nabi Adam alayhi salam and Ummul Nas Sayyidah so they immediately accepted and they immediately turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is a lesson we have to learn for the month of Ramadan this is something that we have to practice outside Ramadan after Ramadan and this is totally different as I mentioned yesterday from any doctrine or concept of original sin Actually, humanity comes from original purity and original humility. And istighfar and tawbah is just to remove the veil of our sins, that the veil that our sins have put on our inherent, intrinsic, essential purity and humility as servants, slaves, and creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whenever we can lift that veil of sins and embrace that asal, essential humanity and humility, then we become the abd and the abid, we become the slave and the worshipful servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why there was a shaykh of the Shadali Tariq ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandarium la and he has this famous work al-Hikam, which are sayings of wisdom. And he said in that, that an act of disobedience, a sin that leads someone to embrace their humility and turn to Allah SWT in need and desperation and forgiveness is better than an act of obedience that leads a person to have ujub and kibber, to have vanity and conceit and delusional self-pride and self-attainment. So it's, you see, but he's, he's looking at what's the effect. The act in of itself, no doubt, the act of obedience is better than the act of disobedience. But the feeling, if it's the case, now it doesn't have to be the case, and a person can do an act of obedience without leading to this feeling. But if there is an act of obedience that leads to the feeling of pride and arrogance and accomplishment and attainment, then the result is worse than the act of disobedience that leads to the feeling of humility, repentance, and turning to Allah's mouth on forgiveness. And this is what's embodied in this dua of Nabi Adam salam. And so this is a dua, obviously, we should make and use generally, but especially in the month of Ramadan, do we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept us to follow the path of the Anbiya alayhim as-salam ajma'in and then may Allah ta'ala guide us to the true humility and humanity which he taught all the prophets and placed in all the scriptures and may he forgive us and free us from all of our own sins and our self-delusions and self-deceptions and anything and everything that could potentially keep us from this path of humility and humanity. Wa akhirun da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.